If you would, turn in the Bible to James chapter three. James chapter three. It's been a while since we've said anything other than Nehemiah. We finished Nehemiah last week. What a great study for us. And so uh, we got just a few Sundays to get us into the holiday season, which I already mentioned in the opening. Uh, and so we're just gonna hit a couple, couple topics before we get into the Christmas Advent season. While you're turning to James 3, I wanna let you know that the Fairdale High School football team won again Friday night in the playoffs, and they now advance to the third round, which is exciting, and an incredible ministry that God has given us here to serve them. We do that every Friday, feeding them a pregame meal, loving on them and talking to them. Um, and so they won, they advance, and we'll do that again this Friday, okay? We may need some help with that. If anybody's looking to help, uh, just, just let us know. As we sit here on a Sunday morning and we're singing these songs and we're reading the scripture and we're watching this video and we're just dealing with all that we deal with in our lives, I'm reminded that it is absolutely the time for you and I to lean into living for Jesus. May it be the case that nominal Christianity is dying out, praise the Lord, but a robust, passionate, courageous, bold Christianity is rising up. And may it start with people like me or you that show up on Sundays that we would hear from this book that the very power of God is going to work on us, that we allow ourselves to sit here as much as possible, undistracted, and hear what God says for us. Many of us can't even fathom the experiences that video showed us. And sending a Christmas present in a shoebox to kids in, in that part of the world is a, is a nice thing to do. But I can hardly imagine somebody living there not taking Christ seriously. And the same ought to be for us. That Jesus is the King of kings. And we're gonna bow ourselves down to him. And we're gonna live like he's worth it. We're gonna live like the Bible says that Jesus is worthy for us to surrender everything. That we would be God's people, followers of Christ living. Today we're gonna see this as we study the book of James chapter three today. This has been a really rough year for Canada and the wildfires. You've all heard about that on the news. It's hard for us to imagine a wildfire like that. It's that big of a deal. But I remember a few months back, they had to cancel some public sporting events in New York City because of how much smoke there was. You all saw that. I remember here in Louisville, us having some smoke, fog, some, 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 some bad weather, and them saying, well, it's probably coming down from Canada and the wildfires, and you're like, really? So I got to thinking about that, and I got to look it up, and these, I, I double-checked these numbers. Have burnt up in Canada this year? 45 million acres. You want me to put that in perspective? The state of Kentucky is 25 million acres. The state of Kentucky is 25 million acres and Canada has lost 45 million acres to forest fire this year. I didn't know this, you know Canada's huge. You look at a map, you don't necessarily see it. 10% of all the forests in the whole world are in Canada and they've been destroyed by wildfire. Well, I'm not an environmentalist. I didn't bring it up for that. In James chapter three, with the most seriousness possible, God says that your tongue is like a wildfire. Let's put that in perspective. 
A little fire does damage to our planet, messes up our air, spreads like crazy, destroys, brings disaster. And God, who is the wisest of all, knows all things, says that your tongue is like a forest fire. I'm not here today to pick on anybody. I don't have any of you all in mind. Matter of fact, I'm looking in the mirror most of all. But if Christ is Lord of our lives, our mouths ought to reflect it. James chapter three says it, and I wanna say it about 50 times today. Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. We don't talk in a way that honors God. Read with me, if you will, James chapter three, the first 12 verses. James chapter three, beginning in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. See, there's our statement right there. That's why I opened up with the wildfire stuff. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. When it comes to us talking like Christ is not the king of our hearts, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. When it comes to us talking like everybody around us talks who don't know Jesus, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. When it comes to us acting like words and speech don't matter, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Hear this simple reminder from the great preacher Charles Spurgeon when he says, remember that thought is speech before God. We're not here today to be legalistic. We're not gonna break it down on if you say this very thing, then that's sin before God. We wanna be careful with that. 
But I want to put before you that the Bible says that when God becomes your father and Christ becomes your Lord and Savior, that he takes hold of your heart. He, matter of fact, gives you a new heart, a living heart that he has made in you to live for him. The Bible teaches that when God goes to work on you, he gives you a new heart that God has made alive to live for him. And he opens up your mouth and gives, gives rain, gives rule to your mouth, that your mouth would be used to speak the glory of his name, to build other people up, to be truthful in this direction, to be honest in this direction, to live and speak like God is the one that matters most. I've got three points for you this morning. For the kids that are using a listening page, you can follow right along with these and turn those in at the end to get your snack, your reward. Our first point this morning, number one, is God is serious about our speech. God is serious about our speech. In religion, in church, in, in that sort of thing, you know, th- there are trends where things get really important and, and people think this is really important. And then a few years later, you're like, man, I don't even, wor- you don't even worry about that anymore, right? Remember, we used to have conversations about how people dressed in church, and now we all know it doesn't really matter how you dress in church as long as there's modesty and humility and respect and reverence, right? You don't have to wear a tie to church, right? We don't even hardly have those conversations anymore. They used to have those all the time, right? There's all kinds of conversations that come up like that, and because they're not really the main thing, they just kind of fade away, and so people are like, oh, that doesn't really matter that much. Y'all, our speech is not one of those. The Bible's a big, long book that is constantly addressing it. God has said a lot, and he's always speaking to it. Do not let words or speech be in the category of things, well, that's just over there, it's not that big of a deal. Old hymns or new music, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. We're supposed to sing to God. Speech is not in that category. Speech is a serious thing. God wants us to give more serious attention to our words. He's talking to me and he's talking to you. No matter how you showed up here today, you may have, you may have mouthwashed twice today just trying to really, really clean it up. But God is speaking to us today from his word that our speech ought to reflect him more. We need to take it seriously. I could spend hours pointing this out from the scriptures and I'm, I'm trying my best today to try, to try to bring it in, but God wants us to take it serious. In the 10 Commandments, which are this, this law, this, this two-stone tablet where God gave Moses the law of God, that we would understand his holiness, that we would understand our sinfulness, that we would understand that we need a savior, two of the 10 are directly reflected through your speech, aren't they? Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And number nine, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Two-tenths, one-fifth of the entire law, the whole Ten Commandments, is done right here. It's a big deal. God wants us to take it seriously. Listen how God brings it up with such big ways. You, if you heard somebody other than God talking like this, you'd say, okay, chill out, man, it's overkill. All right? Stop exaggerating. This is just from this passage. Verse five says something small, boasts of great things. He compares it to the rudder on a ship. Y'all ever been and seen a a, a Navy ship? Do you know they have boats out there that you can land an airplane on? There are boats that they can land an airplane on. You drive up I-65 and you'll see they got about a mile of runway that you normally land a plane plane on. And a boat that big is controlled by a little rudder. God says, that's what your mouth is like. It's controlling so much more than you realize. 
He compares it to a wildfire. He calls your tongue a world of unrighteousness. If it had been us, we'd have said, well, it's a small unrighteousness, but it's not that bad. I mean, I do a lot of good things. I'm a good person. Surely my speech isn't it. He said, no, that's your whole world. That's your whole world. It's a world of unrighteousness. God says that. He says it stains the whole body. And we don't use the word stain that much, but man, stain is bad, isn't it? It's a stain. It's, it, man, it's not going away. I got this shirt in my closet that I really, really like, and I, I keep forgetting it's got a big stain on it. It's a blue one, and I wish I had more blue shirts. And, and I, every once in a while, about every three or four months, I pull this shirt out of my closet, I get it on, I start buttoning, and there's this big stain right here. I'm like, I'm still not sure why I haven't thrown it away. But I never wear it. The stains mess the whole shirt up. And every once in a while, I'm kind of like, well, what if I wear a sweater vest over it? Or what if I wear a coat or something like that? And I'm like, man, the shirt's ruined. The stains messed it up. God says your mouth is staining all of you. He says it sets on fire the entire course of life. I, I just can't even grasp that. I do see, as I live in this world, a whole lot of people where their mouth alone tells you about everything you really need to know about them. And he says it like that, setting on fire the entire course of life. Then he says it's set on fire by hell. In verse eight, he says it's a restless evil. In verse eight, he says it's a deadly poison. I mean, I'm telling you, it sounds like overkill, doesn't it? And then he says it like this, an, an, an absolutely like polarizing framework that grabs your attention. He said, with your one mouth, you praise God and you curse men that God made. Y'all, we do that. You and I do that. We're here this morning at 1045 worship service. I love those songs. All your promises are yes and day. I love that song. Faithful you are, God. And we're gonna walk our tails out of here and be unfaithful with our mouths just about as soon as we can whether it's our annoying kids in the car or somebody in a traffic jam or bad service at the restaurant you go eat at, you'll get hot real quick. And often our speech will not reflect what we just said. James 3 wants us to see that God is serious about our speech. In speaking to the whole course of life, Tony Evans says, speech can destroy self-esteem Speech can devastate relationships. Speech can ruin careers. Speech can kill ministries. It can, can't it? Nowadays that everything's on video, people get fired right and left from just one slip of the tongue. People get caught saying things they didn't know they were on camera and then their apology comes out and they say, man, I ain't really like that. I ain't really rude like that. I don't really speak like that. I'm a Christian man. They just caught me F-bombing like crazy live. I ain't really like that. I'm a God-fearing man. People say it all the time. We all know people that have been fired for that. Racist comments, homophobic comments, mean, rude, judgmental comments just flowing out of people's mouths because they got caught. And then they want to try to say that they ain't really like that. Nah, the Bible right here is saying, nah, we're really like that. It's our whole course of our life that's like that. It's being affected by it. Tony Evans goes on and says, I love this thought. If you want to change the course of your life, you want to change your life, you want to change the direction and the course of your life, you need to ask God to help you steer that little rudder called your tongue. The forest fire set up on, on, on fire by a spark. 
The giant ship is controlled by the rudder. The horse is controlled by the thing in its mouth. And so are we. In Acts chapter five with Ananias and Sapphira, many of you all remember that passage. This is a New Testament passage where God struck them dead. Do you remember what their sin was before God? This is not Old Testament stuff that people think is not real. This is New Testament, wasn't that long ago. Do you remember what their sin was before God? They lied to God. They were faithful to church. They gave a lot of money to church. God killed them because they lied to God. They didn't even lie to the church. The church didn't know it. They lied to God. God is serious about our speech. In Matthew chapter 12, 36, Jesus says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. I don't want, I mean, Nehemiah's been so good on teamwork and let's build this place up, right? Let's make the city better. We've had three months of that. I'm not trying to beat you down today, but I'm trying to open us up to God and us taking him seriously. God says right there plainly that you will stand before him and in a respectful, reverent type of way, you'll have to look him in the eye and he will hold us accountable for every word we say. Proverbs 12, says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. In the passage in Matthew chapter 15 that Jake read just a little bit ago, that's the one where the Pharisees are worked up over people eating without washing their hands. They're, they're, they're mad about that. They, 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 think, they think people are sinning because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And they're really mad about it. And they're saying, Jesus, you're going to stop them from this? Man, they're defiling themselves. They're sinful people over here. They didn't even wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus flips that entire thing. He says, it's not what goes into you that makes you sinful. You can eat anything and not be sinning. It's what comes out of your mouth that shows that you're sinful. And in Matthew 15, he says, you know, and this might be the biggest takeaway today, the words that come out of your mouth come off your heart. It is impossible for you to say you have a good heart with a bad mouth. It is impossible for you to say you have a good heart with a foul mouth. You might be a good person all compared to everybody else, but those words are sinful words coming off of a sinful heart is what Jesus teaches. We need to take it seriously. And a step further would be, there should not be a difference, folks, in how we talk based off where we are or based off who we are around. There should be no difference. I hear it every week from somebody that they're sorry they're speaking a certain way in front of me like I'm the one that's keeping account. I hear it every week. Sorry, I didn't mean to do, didn't mean to say that to you. You're not gonna disrespect me by, by the way that you talk. You will disrespect God by the way that you talk. I hear people say pretty regularly that they're gonna talk differently once they're in this building, y'all. This is just a building and rust and moss gonna destroy it like everything else we have. Y'all, this building ain't gonna be here forever. This building is gonna be turned into something else one of these days. Jesus is going to come back and nobody's going to care about this building, right? This building is just a building. It's the building where the people of God meet. It's a building where the church meets, and so we do have respect and reverence for it. But my point is, you don't have to talk differently when you're in here. 
how you think you should talk, that little bit that you're in here, should be a step in the direction of how you ought to talk always. Whether you're speaking to your children or your home or your neighbor, your rude neighbor, your, your mean neighbor, your ugly neighbor, whoever your neighbor is, how you talk to them should reflect God. Every time we open our mouths, it ought to reflect God. And this is to be taken seriously. It's unbelievable how much of this you have in the Bible. I mean, I, I, I didn't know how much to do. I thought about passing out a bookmark today with like all these awesome verses on speech. I, I didn't know if I should put on the board like, hey, here's a hundred Bible verses for you to think about over the next week about how we speak. I mean, the, the Bible is filled with this. And, and folks, we cannot let this be one of the categories in our faith and in our church life. We can't where we just say, ah, it's just not that big a deal. It's just the way I talk. It, it, you know, it's just the way I was raised or it's just the environment that I live in. It's just what my friends are like. no. God is saying over and over again that this matters. We should take this seriously. God wants us to. That's number one. God is serious about our speech. Number two, our speech has great power and meaning. Our speech has great power and meaning. Now there's a whole world out there of like motivational speakers and positive thinkers that they, that they think that you can like name it, claim it, and that you hear this a lot, you can speak it into existence and that sort of a thing. I'm not going that far, I'm not. But I do want us to hear today that God uses our words. God works in things that we say and what we hear. Our words have more power and meaning than we realize. I know people and you know people and I feel like I run into people all the time who are unfortunately living today in light of something that somebody said to them years ago. Isn't that the case? People living today thinking about who they are based off something that somebody said to them 10, 20, 30 years ago. Somebody told them they were clumsy and they're still self-conscious about it. I see that all the time. They're scared to get out there and play volleyball with a church group on a Wednesday night where nobody cares whether you're good or not because somebody told them in PE they were clumsy and they're scared to fall on their face in front of people. They're still thinking about how uncoordinated and clumsy they are. Somebody called them ugly or fat or dumb or not smart or not athletic or lazy or worthless or evil. I hear people say that somebody told them that they're of the devil. I hear kids being called that they're a devil child. I hear people talk like that. Proverbs 16, 27 says that a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. Our words have so much power and meaning. Now in the same way, our words can build up, can't they? I remember right now, as a seventh grade basketball player. We had a basketball game, and the next morning I went into my middle school, and as I was walking through the hall, my teacher pulled me aside, and she gave me a little compliment. She said, I do this word of the day thing where I'm trying to up my vocabulary, and here's my word, and I wanted to use this and share this word with you. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. In 2005, there was a man here in our church who pulled me aside one time on a Sunday night and he put his arm around me and he gave me a compliment. I have never 
forgotten that. In the midst of all the discouraging and dark days that ministry and church life can bring at times, I have often found myself remembering what somebody said to me 15, 20 years ago, and it's built me up. Our words, our speech has great power and meaning. Now, here's the thing. I know, I know, I say it, you say it. I know that we say, well, it's just words. It's just talk. It's not that big of a deal. And anytime we try to minimize it or downplay it, we are doing the very point that James is making. He also, in this passage, is continuing to point out it's small. It's small, it's simple, it's nothing. It's a spark, it's a rudder. It's just the thing that you put in the horse's mouth. It's not that big of a deal. He's pointing out how little it is. So from one hand, you can say, it's just nothing. It's just a word. That's why I try to tell my kids all the time when, when they're getting negativity or they're getting made fun of or they're going through whatever, I'll say, hey, sticks and stones will break my words, but words will never hurt me. And I love to like spin it on them and say, right now, go ahead and tell me. Tell me how dumb you think I am. And my kids will say, dad, you are so dumb. And I'll just laugh my head off. I tell me I'm ugly. You're like, ah. And you don't let it bother you. But that's easier when you're 43 years old than when you're a kid, teenager, growing up. I understand that. And so there is a real sense, and James is making that point. This ain't that big of a deal. It's just words. It's small. But that's where he shows you the danger in it. On one hand, it's just a little word. On one hand, it's just a little conversation. It was just a statement. It was just a little lie or a white lie or a bending of the truth or an exaggeration or a miscommunication or it wasn't all everything you needed to say. But the impact from it is huge. The Bible teaches us this, that our speech has great power and meaning. The tongue is capable of building people up. And the tongue is capable of tearing people down. The tongue has the potential to unite a church and unite a community and build people up and make them stronger. And it also has the ability to create division and to ruin homes and marriages and parenting. It does. It can create a disaster, and you don't even need me to tell you that. What I'm hoping is that it's not me up here just raising everything that you're like, yeah, tell me about it, man. My whole life's filled with negative people. I know that, but what I want to happen today is for us to see that God addresses this over and over and over again. I love what he says here in verse uh, seven. Look at verse seven. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. This is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, this was written a long time ago. I don't know if they had circuses then. I don't know if they had that stuff back then, but he already knew they, they, they already, they've already tamed everything. And isn't it cool that they have that? I mean, I'm just gonna give you a few things. If you wanna see a man stick his head inside of a hippopotamus's mouth, you can go see that. If you want to see an elephant stand on one foot, you can go see that. They've trained them. If you would like to see a lion or a tiger move on command and jump through a hula hoop or jump through a hula hoop that's on fire, you can go see that. If you would like to ride any type of animal in the world, you can do that. You just got to find the right person that's got it under control, and you can go do that. If you would like to see orangutans in a boxing match, you can do that. I saw that on YouTube this week. Orangutans with boxing gloves on fighting. Somebody, somebody's got that under control. 
Bible says that you cannot tame the tongue. We can do great things. We can get a lot of things under control except our tongues. You can't. In other words, if we can't tame it, then we can't get it under control, which means we have to admit today that our tongues are out of control and they have the ability to get out of control. And with our own self-righteousness and with our own restraint, your tongue may be pretty good 99% of the time, but if you're like me, every once in a while, buddy, we will just let it go and we will rip somebody apart or say things that we haven't said or turn into a whiner or a complainer or a negative or Saying things that we shouldn't say, it's out of control. Our speech has great power and meaning. That's number two. Number one, God is serious about our speech. Number two, our speech has great power and meaning. And lastly here, Christians desire their speech to glorify God. Look at verse nine. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. And then he asks some rhetorical questions here, which we know the answer to. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No, it does not. It's one or the other. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, fig trees produce figs and olives produce olives and uh, grapevines produce grapes. They can't do both. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That's right, it can't do both. In other words... Our mouths ought to honor God. Tony Evans says, listen to this, if criticizing and gossiping and swearing come out of your mouth, the content of your heart needs to be addressed. That's a simple way to put it. If I was just trying to make you a better person, I'd say, let's clean up our mouths. When I was a little kid, my mom washed my mouth out with soap one time. She really did. I've told that story often, and it helped. It helped a lot. It helped a lot. I didn't say any more of the thing that I said. And by and large, I've tried hard to have a clean mouth these days, or really ever since then. But it didn't go to work on my heart, it just went to work on my mouth. And the Bible wants us to let our mouth just be the avenue where the heart perspective produces speech. Where the heart for God lets it flow. Where strength and encouragement, honesty and building up and praise come from the heart that loves Jesus. And that's what flows out of our mouths. Christians ought to repent of their sinful speech and ask God to help reflect him with our words. Repentance is a good word in the Bible. It shows us where we need to turn, where we need to make a change, where we need to do something differently, where we need to stop doing that and turn in the other direction. And church, 
Our very speech is something that we need to repent of. When we are not loving and building up, when we're not being honest and helpful, we need to repent of that. When we're not thinking about the glory of God and the worth of Christ and the heart change that he does in us and the speech that comes off of heart change, we need to repent of that. When Jesus said on the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, I think he was directly speaking to the rejection of him and wanting him to die. Anybody that wants to kill God's son doesn't realize what they're doing. That's really bad. But we could apply that on to way we are to the way that Christians are these days when we do not have much reverence for our speech before God. And we need to repent of that. God can tame our tongues, folks. Jesus died so that you and I would get a grip on the reality of this and we would embrace that this is a serious thing. That we wouldn't show up here today and say, man, Josh really hit hard our speech and I, man, I, I felt that and we'd walk out of here trying to be legalistic. But rather that our hearts would say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. God deserves better from me. I wouldn't talk bad about my mom like that. So why would we talk bad about our heavenly father like that? That's what God wants us to feel. God can bring control to your heart and to your tongue. Jesus forgives sins. God cleans mouths. We need to repent of this sinfulness from our mouths. We do. We need to understand it's serious. We need to understand the power and meaning behind it. And then we need to want for God to be glorified through our speech. When I was about 19, freshman or sophomore year of college, I was a Christian. I was in Bible study. Things were going well. I was growing in my faith. I was still very much so unsure of, of who or I was or what I wanted to do or anything like that. But God was working in my life a lot. But I had just been a little bit, um, not taking it seriously, how important intake was into my life. And so things like friendships or places I would be or movies I would watch or music that I would listen to, I didn't think that those things were affecting me that much. I was, by and large, a pretty good kid and, 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 and that, but I, I, I didn't think that those things were messing me up. I had been saying for a while that it wasn't that bad. I didn't think it was a problem. It didn't change me. It wasn't making me into a bad person. I had good parents and I was a Christian, so I went to church. You didn't see me like doing those things or talking like those, those people or those movies or that music, but, but I, was, I had that in my life a lot. And then I was 19 in college, growing in my faith. One day, it just, it just hit me hard. How can it be good for me? How can it be building me up? How can I continue to say that it's making me stronger? It's making me into a man. It's making me into somebody with high character and high integrity. And, and it's so inconsistent for an out of control mouth to be paired up with high character, high integrity, honest, respectful, worthy of respect and honor. They don't go together. It wasn't making me Christ-like. And so I remember still to this day, and that would have been now 24 years ago. I went back to my dorm room, 
I grabbed all my, brace yourself, tapes and CDs. Grabbed the movies. I just trashed it all. I remember thinking, gee whiz, what am I going to do from here? I'm going to drive around with nothing now? But I prayed to God and I said, God, I mean it. I want all of me to be for you. I want every bit of me to be for you. And if there are still some little pockets that I'm ignorant of or I'm making excuses about, I'm surrendering everything, God. Give me something new to listen to. Give me something new to watch. Give me some new people to hang around if they're messing me up. I want things in my life that will build me up. I remember that day. I remember it really well. I remember turning in the Bible to Galatians chapter five where it says, We have crucified our sinful nature with its passions and desires. Galatians 5 says that. We have crucified our sinful nature with its passions and desires. Psalm 1914 has this prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. God, if I speak tomorrow, may you like it. God, if I think tomorrow, may it please you. Proverbs 30 says this great verse. If you haven't heard it before, it's a good one for you. Proverbs 30, 32. If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand over your mouth. How simple and practical is that? So in closing, church, in our time of response, we need to work hard to take this seriously. Do you remember when Isaiah 6, you remember when Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, has that, 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 that huge, majestic vision? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? And the angels are there, and they had the six wings, right? And they cried out, holy, holy, holy. Do you remember what Isaiah said? In a broken, humble, repentant stature, he said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. It's a beautiful picture of humility and repentance and being honest before God. Folks, I said this in the middle week Bible study, and I mean it. Churches used to have to go crazy coming up with outreach ideas. They had block parties and concerts and balloons and billboards, and they had to do everything in the world to try to reach somebody. Gospel blimps and mail-outs and videos and movies. And churches used to think, man, we got to do something to try to reach somebody. You know why they thought that? Because everybody said that they were a Christian. Everybody said they'd been to church or used to go to church or somebody used to go to church. It's not like that anymore. And praise the Lord for it. I mean this, if you want to make a difference in your little world, surrender your heart and mouth to Jesus.
If you want your kids to believe that Christ reigns in heaven and he's sitting on a throne right now and one day your whole household, mom, dad, husband, wife, you and your kids, y'all are gonna take yourselves and bow down like this before Jesus Christ and you're gonna say, worthy are you for you died for me. If you want your kids to believe that deep in their soul, then you live like he reigns like that. And you don't have to find a party that's got a cool church. You don't need to find a youth group that's got activities going on. You need to say every word comes off of this wicked heart and Christ reigns. You bow yourself down. And the flip side of that, and it's exactly what we're living in right now. If you don't, if you don't want them to take that seriously, keep proceeding. If you want to see your kids and grandkids Thank God, doesn't matter. Just, just keep going. Talk bad this way. Talk bad this way. Hey, if the people at your work are athe- that, that are atheists and hate God and don't go to church, talk just like you. No kid's taking that seriously. I'm not even taking that seriously. Your neighbor's not taking that seriously. Your wife ain't taking that seriously. But if you want to be a bright light in a dark world, you don't have to even convince anybody it's a dark world. Now it's a dark world. If you want to be a bright light like Jesus described in a dark world, right now, surrender to Jesus and say, I'm changing this. Jesus died for my speech. Jesus died for the way I talk. It took him to the cross. We could spend hours going over how much God talks about this. There is no position for us to not take it seriously. May First Baptist Church Fairdale be a group of people whose hearts and tongues have been tamed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the strength of your word. Thank you, God, for the clear word that says, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. Father, help us. Help us, God, to not just run out of here. Help us to not make excuses. Help us to feel it. God, help us to feel that everybody around us can see the reverence for your truth and glory when we surrender our mouths to you. God, help us to be willing for the awkwardness if we say we're going to change. Help us be willing to be humble and say, hey, I know I'm not usually like this, but I'm cleaning it up. I'm going to take it serious. Oh, God, work that in our hearts. God, help us to not be legalistic where we think just washing out our mouths is going to solve it. God, help us to not be rule followers only. Help us to not be Pharisees where we think we're just gonna clean up the outside of ourselves and not our hearts. But God, the Bible says you do the heart work. The Bible says you died to forgive us of our sins and that you work on us from the inside out. God, do that work in us, we ask. Make us a people, and God, make us a church that's making this city around us stronger by the way we talk for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.